Hello beautiful people, welcome to our show Life at the River. This is the show where we bring you amazing testimonies from ordinary people just to encourage you on your walk with Jesus Christ. I'm your host Dr. Adra Beidu and today, oh my goodness, today you, you can't imagine who I have for you. I have Apostle Rick Shimetaro who is the overall president over OBFF which is Open Bible Faith Fellowship which over 500 pastors belong to that. So he is a pastor over pastors. He is also the founder of the Winter Christian Fellowship, which is an amazing church which has influence on both sides of the Canada-US border. So he's the guy I have for you today. So you just need to listen to him. And today we're going to talk about his book. This is what his book look, looks like. It's Why Pray for Your Pastor. That's what we're going to talk about today, but I want you to join me now in welcoming Pastor and Apostle Rick Shimatero. Hello, Pastor Rick. Edgewell, this is an honor to be with you today. I've so enjoyed the whole uh, weekend so far with you and looking forward to tomorrow morning. It's just been a great time. I like the spirit in the house and I like what God's doing amongst all the leaders. Oh, praise God. We are so happy to have you. It's been exciting. It's mountain, it's climbing, and I can't wait for the high climax of it. It's going to be wonderful. And thank you for being here with us because I know so many people are going to be blessed Amen. just because you are sitting in this seat and you're going to say all these things that's going to bless us. Amen. So, Pastor, you have written several books. Mm -hmm. You have fasted for many years. Why did you write this book, Why Pray for Your Pastor? Well, twofold reasons. Number one is... Um, Kathy and I have been in the traveling ministry for many years, almost three decades now, that we've been on the road traveling. And I've always believed in a hedge of safety net for myself and my wife in the area of prayer. So in my mentor group, I recognize that men need structures. They like structured prayers. So in this here book, I put you know, the structures in there for them and it's specifically how I wanted them to pray for me. Okay, which I took the Apostle Paul's prayer, which we'll share about a little bit later. And so that was the number one. And that's why it says on the cover there, the men have their hands lifted up in the air. Because it says in 1 Timothy 2 that I will that men would always lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So speaking about in prayer. So I made it for them. And number two, I also recognized that so many good men, so many good women that are in the five-fold ministry gifts, we see apostles, we see prophets, prophetesses, we see uh, pastors, we see evangelists, and we see the teachers. So many of them started off so well, but halfway through, three quarters through, they get knocked out of the race. Things come against them, things hit them. Spiritual warfare they enter into that many are aware of and many are not aware of, and they're getting knocked out of the race. In North America, they tell us that hundreds of pastors are leaving the ministry every month. So rather than just talk about the problem, let's bring the solution. And the solution was the writing of the book, Why Pray for Your Pastor. Let's pray for these men. 
Let's pray for these women and keep a hedge of protection around their ministry, about their walk with God. Keep a hedge of protection around their family, their spouse, their husband, their wife. Keep a hedge of protection around their children. Many uh, good men and women in the church complain about pastors' kids. Well, the kids aren't going to be perfect because neither are we perfect, but the reality is the prayer is what hedge them in. And then the last thing is to pray for the church. When the church becomes the number one priority over the wife, over the ministry, over the family, that's when the things begin to break down. So that's why I wrote the book, so that they could keep in the priority the hedge of protection over all the relationships that that pastor has, starting in the home and the marriage with the family. Oh, that's awesome. And that's really talking about a lot of stuff because, you know, um, pastors are people too. Right. Yes, we are. <laughs> pastors yep. are people too. And so that's awesome. But as we look at it, I heard something. You said men like structured prayer. Right. Why do you think men like structured prayer? What is, what is structured prayer? Well, structured prayer means that they can pray repetitiously the same prayer over and over. They put the name in there. They like things that are simple. They like things that they can adapt to in their everyday life. Jesus spoke about not praying repetitiously. So that's not what I'm speaking about. This is very personal. This is for people that they know. This is not making a high sounding out there in the marketplace right. so that people get the attention for themselves. Yes. But it's very, very personal. And the men came back to me and said, Pastor, I feel so connected with you now. I feel so a part of your life. And when you're out there, I feel this burden now to be praying for you. So it was a really win-win situation for myself, but also for the ministry that God had entrusted to me. You know, it's awesome because, you know, when you look at prayer meetings in general, you tend to find more women mm -hmm. and few men. I've right. always wondered about that. Why is it that in prayer meetings we tend to have more women and few men right. showing up? And perhaps one of the things is structured prayer. Right. You yep. know, so that, that, to me, that's a revelation for me right now yeah. about structured prayer. Right. And um, so that's a good thing that people can have. And I've read this book, mm -hmm. so I know I've seen the prayers in it. Mm -hmm. And they are good prayers. Right. And I, I even think that um, after you pray for your pastor, you can pray for your own self. Put your own name in there that's because right. they are good prayers. Yes, they are. Yep. So have people said that to you that this book has helped them in their own prayer lives, yes, praying it, for their families, their yeah, children. Especially for the men, okay? And again, that's the ones that I work with the very most. Mm -hmm. Kathy works with the women a lot more than I do. But I've recognized that their walk with God seemed to just go up another level. I, walked, I watched their walk with myself, that they felt more connected to their, to their shepherd over the church that, was, uh, that I was pastoring. I saw that they were more connected with their wives, more connected with their children. So yes, it affected every area of their relationships in a very, very positive way. And I'm thinking about it just as you say that. Um, Jesus' disciples who became the apostles, they said, teach us to pray. Right. So somebody is maybe looking for somebody to teach them to pray. And that's what we've done. And this is what you've done because there's many prayers in here. Right. And they are structured and it teaches people how to pray. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So I really like this. And actually, I, I was saying to my husband that I'm going to teach it on Wednesdays, this mm -hmm. book, because there's so much to learn from it. So I want us to touch on some of the topics sure. in there. Yes. So you, we've just um, spoken about the hedge of protection, so we're not going to go there. But there's a chapter you have on boldness and confidence. Mm -hmm. What is it about boldness and confidence? People well, would think that a pastor should be bold because he's going to have to stand at the pulpit 
Anyway, but what do you mean when you say we need to pray well, for Well, the reality that we live in today, Adeja, is the aspect that many good men and women, they're operating in fear, they're afraid to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm, to warn the people, to correct the people, to speak against some of the squirrely things, if you want to term it, that are coming into the church world today that is anti-Bible, that it's against the Word of God, right, but yes. they don't know. So praying that they would be bold, praying that they would be confident, is that they would have a, a, a clear clarion trumpet sound to speak the things of God with, with the love of God behind, but also with an authority into the spiritual realm. That's why I wrote that whole chapter on there. Paul prayed that for himself. I was going to say, if um, somebody like Paul, whom we all think of as being so bold, right. asked for prayers for boldness, right. then how much more uh, men and women today, right. facing the things that we face, are going to need that boldness and confidence. Right. And I wonder how many people actually think to pray that for their pastors, that I'm going to pray, instead of maybe criticizing, right. that they actually think, I want to pray for my pastor to be able to speak with boldness and confidence. Yeah, it's very interesting that you bring that up, that you cannot complain for somebody that you're praying for. That's you right. just can't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't come out the same mouth. So if they're truly praying with all their heart for their pastor, for their five-fold ministry gift, they're not going to be complaining about it. They're not going to be the ones that are picking them apart, uh, disagreeing with every little topic that goes on. They're just not going to be that way because their heart connects. Something happens when the congregants and the people begin to pray for their man and their woman of God. I believe that there's a soul tie in a godly way that actually connects them in to the very purposes of God on that individual's life. Yes, that sounds, um, that's really interesting to me because sometimes I think that people don't see any real difference between their pastor and themselves. You know, sometimes you have this sense that things are so on the plane and even that people, you know, you've, I've heard people say, you know, why should they get paid for what they do? Like, you know, even right. speaking, I've, I've heard it in church and I know it's um, young believers sometimes, right. but it's like, you know, we have to go and do the real work, right? right? right. And then he comes up and he talks and, you know, why should we be given our money even for that? Right. You know, so can you say a little about the calling and why Jesus wants the fivefold ministry and why it's precious to the church right. to be, support that fivefold ministry with our prayers? Yeah. Adeja, this is very interesting that I had one of my own children actually say this to me one time. Must be knife dad, and it's in the book actually, to have a slough job where you just work three hours a week. Because all he would see me in is the aspect of Wednesday night for an hour, Sunday morning for an hour, and Sunday night at that time for an hour. This is going way, way back. He had no idea all the challenges that you go on. It's not like a nine-to-five job that these five-fold ministry gifts have. You can't just go in and turn off. Somebody just, uh, they came home and their spouse was with somebody else. Uh, somebody just lost a child, a broken home, a broken marriage. A family member died, a premature birth. There's so many things that you go on, and how do you just disconnect that? How do you just shut that off? We're people, but we're so connected with the people that God has entrusted to us, you can't just turn that off. That's why it's so important that they have an understanding of that. And the thing when I wrote this here book that I heard the most from my congregants at WCF and letters that I got and emails that I got was that, Pastor, we had no idea of the things that you experience and the things that you go through. 
We had no idea whatsoever of some of the problem people that you've had to deal with because in the book I give real life experiences that actually sounds like they're fictional because people, they're hard to believe stories. Like one of the ones is there was a, a group of intercessors that joined together in Windsor that were very disgruntled against WCF and they actually joined and were praying for bees, physical bumblebees, to come in to the outdoor meeting that my worship leader and I were doing, okay? That sounds so crazy, and actually when the person that was in the meeting called me and told me that this was going on, I said, no, that, that can't be true. I know those people. I actually called them. I actually called the person, and, just, and, and she said, well, yeah, but we've repented of that. Well, you know what? This is not the way the kingdom of God should operate. But see, that sounds crazy. That sounds fictional. But that's what happens out there that people aren't aware of, that pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles are going through. And it's literally witchcraft that is being released at them and their ministries and at their families that people don't even have any ideas going on. Yes, that's really interesting because, you know, I think that sometimes... Um People don't understand that this is a whole spiritual battle that we are in on yep. this earth, starting from the fall of Adam yep. and, and, and Satan being kicked out of heaven. Yep. Sometimes all of that looks like fiction. Right. And so people look at everything on the plane. You know, and, but this book opens people's eyes yes, it does. to see the prayers that need to be prayed mm -hmm. and to um, connect, with, um, connect with God through prayer. Right for their part in the spiritual warfare because they have a part to play. Right. That's and, true. And Adeja, the most important thing to me is that we're praying accurately. That's it. We're you, you can't get more closer, if you want to call it in prayer, than praying the written word of God. That's I believe true. this with everything in me. When Paul says, pray for me, that I would be delivered, that I would be guarded from, from unreasonable, from wicked and evil men, he was specifically speaking of situations that he was dealing with inside of his life. And he's asking the congregation, the churches that he was founding, pray for me for these specific evil that I, Paul, the great apostle Paul, would be delivered from the unreasonable and the evil men that are out there. Yes, that's really interesting because um, the Apostle Paul was somebody that really prayed for his churches as well. Right, yes he did. And so there's this give and take, mm -hmm. right? That, because the pastors are definitely praying yeah. for the flock under their care. Right. But they need also the prayers of the saints. That's right. That's right. So it's back and forth so that we are all covered. Yeah, it's not a one-way street. That's it. And, you know, when people think the responsibility is of the pastor that we're to pray for the church, there's, there's literally hundreds and thousands of needs that come up every week for that pastor to deal with. And so we can cover so many things for them, and a lot of the prayers that we're going to pray is going to be specifically for some of the major areas that we're being hit at and some of the major areas that our people are being hit at. But we need the whole church to join together in, the, in keeping up this hedge of protection. I believe in the book of Job, the hedge was down, and that's why the enemy was able to get in and hit Job and his family because he said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. And so when the hedge of protection is up, that family is going to be hedged in. Those children are going to be hedged in. But when you see words released into the spiritual realm that are detrimental, that are destructive, that's what Paul was praying for, that the, he would be kept from these here things and the evil 
was the words and the maliciousness that they were speaking towards him and his teams. That's right. So now, I want, because you are a pastor over pastors, I would like you to talk about some of the things that pastors face. What is happening right now in the world we are living in? What really discourages um, pastors? So let's talk a bit about that and so people can see well, that. Well, one of the things that has happened is uh, when a minister falls, okay, and gets into a moral failure, a financial failure, a marriage failure, whatever it might be, when there is some type of scandal or some type of breakdown that gets in there, what happens is the people oftentimes stereotype and they say they're all that way. All the pastors are that way. And that's not true. I remember true. even um, Joyce Myers was asked the question when one of the high-profile leaders had fallen, and she says, for everyone that may fall, there's a thousand good ones that are out there. And that's really where the focus needs to get back on is the thousand good ones that's that are right. out there. And it's just like in real estate. I was on a plane one time with a man, and he had, he had said, well, the ministers are all, you guys are all this way and you're all that way. And I says, well, you're a real estate developer. And I says, I know some guys that have really been con artists and that have ripped off, and I don't stereotype you and put you all in the same category. So why are you putting us in the same category that way? So through the ministry of prayer, that's keeping them solid. That's keeping those tongues, silencing those evil tongues that could actually rise up against the men and women of God. Oh, praise God. That's really, that's really awesome. So we have talked about boldness and confidence, about moral failures and other issues, mm -hmm. family issues that the pastors, um, sometimes um, things come against them. Right. Okay. And um, so would you say that, what would you say is the key reason why people, pastors are leaving you said so many pastors are leaving every month. Yeah. What would be the key reasons that? Is it burnout? What is it? Well, I believe number one is there's oftentimes unreal expectations that are put on men and women of God. Mm -hmm. The pastor is not there to do every visitation. He's not there to do the home visitation. He's not there for everything that people put demands on him that is not his major responsibility. I believe the pastor's major responsibility is to hear the mind of God and the voice of God for the congregation that he's leading, to get the direction from God and then work with the leaders on that to tweak it. But I also believe that his job is to be in the Word of God so that when he teaches, it's not just something he learned from someone else, it's something that's a revelation for him inside of his life, for her, inside of her life, that when they speak it, there's an authority that goes with it. There's a boldness that comes along with it. So that's what the, the main reason that I believe that pastors are leaving is they're discouraged, and oftentimes they're struggling financially, they're struggling in their homes, they're struggling with their children, they're struggling with people within the congregation that are rising up and splits that are going on with inside the church. You can take those things for so long, and then what happens, they just become weary, and they just want to throw the towel in. And that's what happens in North America today. And that's really sad, because in it North is. America today, we need the gospel to go out. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So we can't afford for pastors to be quitting yeah. and uh, getting discouraged. Right. You know, and that's what makes this book so important right. today. And um, I really like it because what you said earlier was, you were mentoring men, and I, I, it just gladdens my heart to see that men would be so connected to you, right. what you were doing. They would want to know where are you, what are you doing, so that they follow closely, mm -hmm. and then they, they be encouraged to see your ministry moving on and right. knowing that they are part in prayer. Right. And I think that connectedness is good for the church because really the church is, we are all one body. Right. 
Okay, we all, uh, we, we fit in joint to joint and all of that. And we are really, I think prayer is one of the key things that should connect a church uh, of people. It's huge. It's huge. And when you see it spread through the congregation, not just at the Sunday morning prayer, but this is prayers that they can pray for their man and woman of God at home. They can pray it on the road. They can pray it when they're driving, not driving the car, but if they're in the car. Uh, the wife can lead that prayer. There's so many different ways that they can uh, get involved in this aspect of praying. And when the praying comes out, there's no complaining. It just cuts it right off, and gratitude actually comes in. So you're saying then that, you know, if people are so connected with prayer, praying for their church, praying for their pastor, mm -hmm. we're going to have less division, less bickering, less uh, disunity, yep. and the church is just going to be able to go forward. Yes, that's well, exactly right. And we lived and have experienced that at Windsor Christian Fellowship. You know, in all the years, I can count on one hand how many splits that we actually had over the years at WCF. And I believe that the prayer averted, aborted a lot of the enemy's plans. You know, there's six times in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6:10, it says against principalities, against powers, against the rulers. So there's six times that we're standing against these forces in the unseen realm, in the unseen world, that are actually sent against to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so by the ministry of prayer that's going up for the fivefold, it's keeping the heads up. They, they have the grace on their life now so that they can stand against these here things, so that they can have the discernment to what is going on because the people are supporting them and they're the errands and the hers that are now holding up their hands, holding up their marriages, holding up their children so that they can track in the right ways of God. I am convinced that our children, the 12 the children, the six sons and daughters and son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws are all tracking with God because of this here aspect of prayer in the church. We have a strong intercessory prayer group. We have a strong group of men and women that have been lifting up our hands for year after year after year that has kept us in these here areas. Oh, praise God. This, this sounds really good. I just want to ask you now, is there um, another pastor or a testimony of another pastor that they've told you about that we took this book and we took it to our church and this has happened? Yes, have I, I have actually a really good one and it's actually in the introduction chapter where Dr. Larry Heifoffer, okay, he pastored for 35 years in ministry. Now he's helping uh, young authors like myself write books and materials, and he's been a ghostwriter for some of the, the bigger ministries out there. And Dr. Larry, when I gave him this here book, I said, I need some help with this here. He helped me work it. He actually asked himself if he could write an endorsement in this here book. And he says, I wish I would have had a book like this in my hands 35 years ago when I started pastoring. He says, I know that it would have helped, and I know that there's a lot of things that could have been averted. And he actually wrote that in the foreword of the book. Oh, praise God. This is awesome. I'm somebody that really believes in prayer, yeah. you know, and I, I often think that we are not praying, and even though we all keep saying, we want revival, we want revival, yeah. we all keep saying that. Uh, we want to see healings, and we want to see this, but everything is rooted in prayer. Right, it is. Uh, yes, and so we should all be connected. I think that this is a fantastic book. And um, I read it, and I loved it, and I thought, you know what, this can teach everyone to pray, because all the, all the prayers are scripture-based. Right. You take Paul's prayers in Ephesians, yep. and you write it out and rewrite it in our language, how we can pray for our pastors. Exactly. And, and I think that's, that makes it an awesome, it's even going to help young people yep. who have no clue how to pray for 
They are pastors. They have yes. a guideline. They that's have a guideline right. And there. that's what's good about it. It's a very practical book. Yeah. And um, so you can take it, and there's so many prayers, chapter after chapter, and then at the end, you've got all these prayers with the fill in the blank, your right. pastor's name. And not just your pastor, the fivefold five ministry. Fivefold ministry, missionaries. Very, that's yeah. right, that's right. Okay, uh, Pastor Rick, I want you to look into your um, camera. And I just want you to just, you know, pray for um, people to be connected with their pastors right. and uh, pray for, um, for them to hold up their pastors mm -hmm. and um, to see breakthrough. I want you to release that to people and just call them to that aspect of their calling Amen. to pray for their pastors. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been an honor to be on the program today, and I just want to join my faith along with each one. You know, the Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians to, to hold up our spiritual leaders and honor our spiritual leaders which are over us in the Lord. And I believe this very, very strongly that there's a connection when you begin to pray for your pastor, when you begin to pray for his wife, when you begin to pray for the leadership, I believe there's a divine connection that God will bring you in that will take you into the next dimension of the perfect will of God for your life. So, Father, for the men and for the women that are watching the program today, we set ourselves in agreement that a spirit of prayer is going to hit all the houses that are represented here in the men and women of God that are watching this program. And even to the unchurched that are out there today, that are watching the program today, I'm asking, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would put a burden upon their heart to connect, to reconnect, to get in someplace into a house that is preaching the unadulterated, pure, living word of God, and that a spirit of prayer would break out. Because we know that when it does, revival is the result that is going to transpire. Breakthrough is going to come. Breakout is going to come. The Bible says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then God says he's going to heal our land. I believe that Canada is going to be impacted greatly in the decades to come with the glorious gospel. I don't believe we're going to be a goat nation, but I believe we're going to be a sheep nation for the kingdom of God. So thank you for connecting with us today. Pick up a copy of the book. I believe it will bless your life. If you're a pastor, get them out to your people in your church. I believe it will connect them to your heart, but also to your spouse's heart, and together you're going to see the kingdom of God advance. Amen. Amen. I like that. That was a powerful prayer. I received that, Lord, and thank you, Jesus. Yes, Amen. Lord. Yes, Lord. So with that, my dear lovely viewers, um, this is the end of today's episode. I told you you were going to be excited, and I know you are. So all you need to do now is like, share, subscribe, so we can spread the message, so you can do that for us. So with that, this is Life at the River, and I'm your host, Dr. Adjo Beidu. Until next time, God bless you.